Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Shema Bhagavatam Canto 6, Chapter 2. Ajmil delivered by the Vishnadutas, text number 8. Itanaiva Yaganosha Kritam Shad Aganishkritam Yidhanarayanayati Jagada Chaturaksharam Itinava Yaganosha Kritam Shad Aganishkritam Yidhanarayana Yeti Jagadda Chatur Aksharam Itanaiva Hagginosha Kritam Shad Aganishkutam Yidhanarayana Yeti Jagadda Chatur to Aksharam. Itena. By this chanting, Eva, indeed, he, certainly, Agonna, who possesses sinful reactions. Asya of this Ajamil Kritam performed Shat is Aga of sins Niskritam complete atonement Yada when Narayana O Narayan, the name of his son, Aya, please come. Iti, thus, Jagada, he chanted, Chatu Aksharam, the four syllables, Narayana. Translation. The Vishnu Dutas continued, even previously while eating and at other times, this Ajamil will call his son saying, my dear Narayan, please come here. Although calling the name of his son, he nevertheless uttered the four syllables Narayana. 
simply by chanting the name of Narayan in this way, he sufficiently atoned for the sinful reactions of millions of lives. Purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. Previously, when engaged in sinful activities to maintain his family, Ajamil chanted the name of Narayan with, without offences. To chant the holy name of the Lord just to counteract one's sinful activities or to commit sinful activities on the strength of chanting the holy name is offensive. Namdo balad yasya hi papa budhiya. But although Ajamil engaged in sinful activities, he never chanted the holy name of Narayan to counteract them. He simply chanted the name Narayan to call his son. Therefore, his chanting was effective. Because of chanting the holy name of Narayan in this way, he had already vanquished the accumulated sinful reactions of many, many lives. In the beginning, he was pure, but although he later committed many sinful acts, he was offenseless because he did not chant the holy name of Narayan to counteract them. One who always chants the holy name of the Lord without offense is always pure. As confirmed in this verse, Ajamil was already sinless, and because he chanted the name of Narayan, he remained sinless. It did not matter that he was calling his son, the name itself was effective. Hmm. So, <coughs> In discussing this verse, uh, Srila Prabhupada describes that uh, how nice this Hare Krishna movement is uh, in giving everyone the opportunity to uh, chant the holy names of the Lord and in this way counteract many, many lifetimes of uh, uh, sinful activity, because we, we can't remember, but um, every time in any lifetime we have eaten meat, we have accumulated bad karma. We have to suffer for the, uh, you know, because we enjoyed the results of killing that animal uh, by eating the meat, we have to suffer. Many times we have taken, uh, you know, intoxications. Uh, we have committed sinful activities. Um, any, any times we have uh, engaged in sexual activities, uh, not according to religious principles, we have committed sinful activities. Um, you know, gambling for the purpose of cheating instead of earning an honest living. Uh, also, uh, we have uh, engaged in sinful activities. So Kali Yuga, of course, is described as an ocean of sinful activities. So in Kali Yuga, uh, these activities are the main activities of people. 
<laughs> you know, these, these are our main activities. Um, usually when we think of Australian culture, we think that whatever we do, we must have some beer, some alcohol. That is Australian culture. Australians are well known. What is an Aussie? They'll have a beer in one hand, perhaps a, a meat pie in the other. And uh, they'll be celebrating something. Doesn't matter what the celebration is. If there's no, no celebration, still, <laughs> they'll go on <laughs> drinking. So, smoking cigarettes. Of course, there's so many other s simple activities, you know, abortion, you know, which is the result of uh, illicit sex anyway. And um, because people who take pleasure in the simple activity of illicit sex, then, you know, when children are born, that's not really the purpose of their sexual activity. They become a botheration. Um, and so for them, the easier thing is to, you know, just to kill that embryo. And um, so, you know, there are many uh, simple activities. So there are many simple activities uh, that people engage in. You just hold him with it. He, he, you can just hold him softly in that tissue. You won't hurt him. Yeah. No, you can. No, you can take him out. We better get the farm going. Yeah. You. Just make sure it's not a white tail. White tail spidey. Yeah, I got bitten by a white tail. I ended up with. A week in the hospital, 25 stitches. I still can't quite move my hand properly. Yeah. So, especially after they've eaten, I found out that um, some people you can get bitten by a white-tailed spider, and you don't get much of a reaction. But what what the, what they do is, when they kill the prey that they eat, they then let it rot for a bit. And, and then they go and feed on that. And if they bite you after they've fed on that sort of rotten prey, then the poison causes a, a massive reaction in your skin, which uh, will just keep uh, rotting away your skin until you cut it out like that. So, yeah. so um, but of course, these are, you know, the reactions that we get from many, many lifetimes of sinful activity. Actually, this body that we have is the sum to total of our karmic reactions from our previous life. And uh, so during the course of this lifetime, we will have so much uh, you know, pain and uh, distress and anxiety along with whatever good, according to whatever little good we may have done in previous lifetimes. So therefore, there's a lot of suffering in Kali Yuga. The, the People may say, oh, we have done no sinful activity. So then you look at the situation of the world. How many wars you know, are raging and people are suffering from the very beginning of their lives, literally sometimes to the, throughout the whole course of their life. Their whole generation sees nothing but you know, war, murder, rape, hunger, as a result of, you know, the world is filled. The pandemic is the reaction uh, to 
the accumulations throughout the whole world of sinful reactions that everyone must suffer uh, to some degree or another. Although uh, pious persons, um, even during the pandemic, uh, they may uh, not have so much difficulty. In fact, some very pious persons may uh, be very much advantaged by the pandemic situation. You know, whoever's making the um, uh, vaccines is certainly making billions of dollars <laughs> at the moment. There's a lot of, a lot of people becoming very rich <laughs> from the pandemic. But uh, still, uh, the pan you know, the vaccines are important. Prabhupada mentions that in the Bhagavad Gita. You know, it is a part of life and that... Um, you know, the material nature uh, is um, the disease condition for the soul uh, and the chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra is the medicine and the uh, prasadam is the diet. Uh, so medicine or vaccine, you know, Prabhupada uses that word, the prasadam, prasadam and the Hare Krishna is like a vaccine against the material energy. So, you know, we believe in... Uh, you know, whatever, whatever is required. No one wants to take these things, of course. No one wants to have them. Um, everyone would like to not have anything to do with them, but if we have to function somehow or another, rather than lose our lives or lose a loved one, then of course we have to do these things. So, <clears throat> and of course, uh, no one wants to suffer the reactions of sinful activity. But unless we take the spiritual vaccine, which is uh, the medicine, and, and in Kali Yuga, as we said, it is an ocean of uh, sinful activities. Literally, it is, the world is just filled with, uh, on a daily basis, sinful activities that in previous ages, uh, you know, were not there. Especially in the, you know, very elevated Vedic culture. Prabhupada mentioned even in his day that in India when they had meat uh, you couldn't just go to a shop and buy meat um, there was a, a section of society the not very elevated section of society the elevated section of society didn't eat meat but those who didn't have as much elevated knowledge in culture, then uh, on a full moon night, uh, so the dark moon night, they would go somewhere out of the village in the night, the evening, where it could not be seen, and they would sacrifice a, um, you know, a goat or a sheep or something, not a cow, uh, you know, to... Goddess Kali, and then they would feast on that prashad. But so you know that was in Prabhupada's time. The meat, you know, in India, meat eating. Of course, uh, you know there are other religions. Uh, you know the Muslims, of course, they um, do eat meat. But um, Prabhupada says even Kali, day, even Kali, the goddess, she doesn't eat the meat. As we say, those who uh, you know, uh, are more elevated. So they're offering the meat to Kali, 
thinking, oh, we're eating Kali Prashad, but, the, the, but Kali doesn't eat it. She gives it to the, uh, all the Bhutas, the ghosts and the hobgoblins and <laughs> all those, uh, you know, creatures of the night. And um, they, so therefore they're eating their Prashad. <laughs> so, um, but now, of course, if you go to India, at, uh, you know, uh, I think they're one of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, meat-eating nations in the world. You know. um, so <clears throat> that simple activity in Kali Yuga is increasing. You know, so that's literally a generation and a half. You know, in that time, the whole of India has changed. You know, an entire country known for its policy of, uh, you know, morality and um, non-violence is now one of the, you know, uh, joining the world and one of the most sinful, you know, sinful activities go on in India as they do anywhere else in the world. Um, <clears throat> you know, because, again, w uh, India was known for, you know, it's, uh, they protected their women. And now, you know, the women are fearful to uh, walk the streets uh, because, you know, they will be, uh, you know, attacked by young men who feel that, um, you know, it is their right to just, uh, you know, harass them, you know, assault them. Like that. And that, that is uh, a common uh, thing. So, uh, you know, this Kali Yuga, what to speak of other, other countries where sinful activities have also been, you know, reigning strongly uh, for centuries, you know, now also. So Kali Yuga is, is this ocean of uh, uh, sinful activities. And, but this movement, Prabhupada says, is so nice that it's giving the opportunity that if people chant the names of the personality of Godhead, it removes the sin, it removes more sinful activities than it's possible for us to commit. Yes, that, that is, there's many, many names. Yes, many, many names. One, one of them is Na, that, so there's four syllables in there, and then we put them all together as Narayan, Narayana, yeah, um, Narayana is the form of the Lord when he's in the spiritual world and uh, in the kingdom of God. When Narayan comes to this world to look after this material world, he is known as Vishnu. He, then he appears as a super soul within everyone's heart. So that is another name. Same person, but another name. He's within every atom. Um, and then that Narayan in the spiritual world, uh, he resides on in his own spiritual abode called Vaikuntha. Vaikuntha means the place of no anxiety because there's no sinful reactions. <laughs> there's no sinful reactions, there's no sinful activity. Um, uh, everyone there is uh, one in love. 
there's, uh, the, the spiritual world is just filled with people who, um, uh, you know, their hearts are filled with pure love for each other and centred around their love for, for Lord Narayan. So Krishna describes in the Gita that he is the original Narayan. Uh, so Narayan has different forms. So he, he resides in Vaikuntha, in the spiritual world. But because devotees love him in different ways, he expands in different forms to accommodate the different varieties of love. So therefore there are many different Vaikuntha planets where Narayan, who is one person, expands in different Narayan forms, although he's one person. Because God's form is not limited by space. So our form can be, we can only have this one form and we can't be in many places at once. But God's form is not limited by space. So he can be omnipresent or present everywhere in space and everywhere in time. And sometimes one of those forms of Narayan comes to this world as an avatar. Sometimes they come as Lord Ramchandra um, um, and his spiritual energy, Sita. Therefore Prabhupada says we can chant, we can chant Hare Krishna. So Krishna is the original form of all the forms of God. He is the original Narayan and his spiritual energy is known as Hara, or if we call her Hare, then Krishna comes uh, in the form of his name. So actually, he, uh, he is the Lord is non-different from his name. So if his name is there, he is fully present with all his spiritual potencies and qualities and features, and he is there also with his uh, spiritual energy. Who, who is personified as Hari, who is also there as Radharani, the girl sitting next to Krishna on the altar. That same person, Krishna, when he appears in a different type of avatar, may appear as Lord Ramchandra. And then Hari appears as Sita. So we, we can chant any of the names of the Lord and we get the same effect. If we chant Hari Krishna or Hari Rama, um, uh, or Narayan, like that, we get the same effect. But it's described in the scriptures, because Krishna is the origin, um, if we chant a thousand different names of the Lord, we will get the same benefit by once chanting the name of Ram. And if we chant three names of Ram, we would get the same benefit by chanting one name of Krishna. So we can chant thousands and thousands of different names of the Lord and it purifies us of sinful reaction. But the name of Krishna and Ram are the two most, um, let's say, primary names of the Lord because they indicate his original feature. Uh, his original feature, which is the fullest manifestation of the glories of the Supreme Lord. So if we, we can chant any... Therefore, in Kali Yuga, which is... Um, we don't have time to sit and chant 
thousands and thousands of different names. We may have a few minutes here and a few minutes there. And not only do we have a, not a lot of time, but we tend to be very lazy spiritually, that on a daily basis we may do very little. So therefore the scriptures say, because of that, chant the most powerful name of the Lord, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Uh, and then it's like you're chanting thousands of names of Narayan and thousands of names of Vishnu and thousand names of the different avatars within a few minutes, just a few chanting of the Maha. Therefore, it's called the Maha Mantra. Therefore, the scriptures say in Kali Yuga, after going through all the different things you can do to counteract the processes to remove the karmic burden and become liberated from that, just quietly with that bell, yeah. um, then uh, of all the processes mentioned in all the religious scriptures, the one recommended is Harinam to chant the holy names, particularly the names of uh, Hare Krishna. Therefore, it said Harinam, 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 Eva Kevalam, Kalona Steva, Nasteva, Nasteva, Kati Anyata. In this age of Kali, there is no other way than chanting the holy names of the Lord, especially the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. Now, in India, uh, those who cannot understand that God is a person, they're called Mayavadis. So they think in the spiritual world there is no God. So they don't believe there's a God as the Christians believe there is one supreme God. So that same Lord that's worshipped by the Christians, that is the same Lord we worship. They say, our Father who art in heaven. So a father is a person. Uh, you know, and Jesus is the son of God. So the father we call Krishna. And from Krishna, you get the Latin and Greek words Christos, which from there you get Christ, like that. So... Um, the same Lord worshipped as Allah, there is no one greater than Krishna. We also agree, Allah. Yes, there is no one greater than Krishna. And <clears throat> that same person, but in India currently, because of sinful activities, even amongst the upper classes, they can no longer understand their own scriptures. And therefore, predominantly, they've actually become somewhat uh, it's a covered atheism. Uh, when, when we say Vishnu, we understand we're talking about the person, Narayan, who then appears in our heart as a super soul. But in India, when they say Vishnu, they say they mean the philosophized Vishnu. In other words, there's a philosophical concept of Vishnu, but he doesn't actually exist. That's what they mean. And therefore, they think that there's no God, there's no you, there's no me, or anything like that in the, in the spiritual world. There's just this bright light called Brahman. 
and therefore everything is just one. And because everything is one, you can chant any names and you'll get the same benefit. So the scriptures don't say that. The scriptures don't say everything is one. They say everything comes from the Supreme Personality of Godhead, therefore everything is one with God because it comes from him, but because he's the source of everything, he's different from everything and he remains the eternal source eternally. Eternally, uh, he, he is the maintainer of the material world and eternally he is the maintainer of the spiritual world. Uh, so his position is always as the Supreme Father, just as, like that. So they say because everything is one, you can chant the names of any of the demigods. You can chant the names of Shiva. You can chant the names of Kali and you'll get the same result as chanting Hare Krishna, although none of that, that is actually in the scriptures, it's specifically said. If someone says that within the material universes one of the demigods is considered on the same platform as Vishnu or Narayan, that person is actually an atheist because they have no concept of God. And so much so that they believe that, that in, uh, Prabhupada was mentioning, one of them was, he was saying, I am God because everything is one. That means we are all God. Therefore, you can chant my name. So then that guru got married and he said, you can chant my wife's name as well. So the mantra <laughs> was, um, what was his name? His name it's, a, it's in a, a lecture Prabhupada gave on the next verses. Uh, her name was uh, Kusuma or something and uh, his name was uh, Horu or something. So Huru Kusuma, Huru Kusuma, something like that. <laughs> and they, they did it. They, they followed that. They chanted his names and his wife's name because that's so bewildering by that philosophy. And, you know, you see, uh, therefore, in the scriptures, it specifically says, uh, you know, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam. You know, we're supposed to hear about chant about and remember the Supreme Lord Vishnu or Narayan at that, Krishna. We're, we're not um, meant to chant the names of demigods who are actually personalities in the material world who are, they're very respectable, of course, but if we chant, so if we chant the names of uh, Kali, we can go to that place in the material world where Kali resides or if we chant the names of any demigod, we can go, perhaps worship them and go to their abode in this material world, but we cannot get out of the material body. We have to go in a material body in that particular part of the material world. But if we want to have our eternal spiritual body, and never ever experience birth and death again and eternally reside in our spiritual form, beautiful spiritual form, 
Uh, everyone, is, every one of us is an eternal spirit soul. And when the soul leaves this body and remembers the names of the Lord, we can actually go to the supreme abode and our spiritual form manifests more fully. It's there in a dormant state, but it manifests more fully and we reside in the spiritual world eternally with the personality of Godhead, like that. But if we worship demigods and do uh, demigod kirtan, if we're sinless, we may go to their abode. But when the results of that good karma is finished, because it's just good karma, we have to come again to a human form. And from there, if we make a mistake, we can go down to the animal form. So it's a very risky business. But you cannot get out of the material world. The chanting of the... When we uh, hear, we're seeing that Ajmil... He married a prostitute and in order to uh, you know, satisfy her you know, greed for money and this and that, and he had, I think, ten children, uh, he committed all the sinful activities you can think of. He became a very sinful person, although in the beginning he, he was the son of a priest. But it, when he was chanting... Because he called his son Narayan, he was just calling his son. So in India, that's what, what they do, is they call their children names of God or God's energies, like that. So every time they call, he calls his son Narayan, God is so kind, he knows, oh, he's calling his son, but he says, but he chanted my name, I give him the effect anyway. He is so kind. And therefore, that's offenceless. But if we say, you know, I will, oh, if I can chant the name of God and I remove my offences, then I can go on with my sinful life, you know, doing all sorts of nonsense and then just chant Narayan or Krishna and my karma is gone. But actually, that is considered the most sinful activity. <laughs> that is more sinful than all <laughs> so many sins put together. Very sinful. And then the Lord says, oh, no, you're doing that on purpose. You're being sinful thinking that, you know, you say my name and, and, and it will be removed. Then I'll not give you the effect of the chanting. Okay? So Arjumil, he wasn't thinking like that. He just becomes so bewildered, he'd forgotten about the Lord. He'd forgotten he was a spirit soul. He forgot what is... Uh, you know, proper activity and what is sinful activity. He was just absorbed. I need money. and He just wasn't even thinking and intoxicated. And he was just calling his son. So he wasn't actually trying to counteract sinful activity, nor was he even aware that he'd become so sinful. It didn't really occur to him so much. Therefore, it was offenceless, and, and the Lord said, I will give the result of chanting like that if it's offenceless. So if that's the result of chanting even unintentionally, we get so much benefit. Uh, imagine if we chant purely with some humility, uh, with some devotion, and we try to 
serve the mission to spread the holy name around the world. Imagine how much benefit we get from that chanting. In that case, we don't just get liberation from sinful reactions, we get the guarantee that at the end of this life we will actually attain our spiritual body and go back to the spiritual world. If we chant purely, we will be able to understand all the revealed scriptures, beginning from the Bhagavad Gita. So therefore it's described in the Bhagavad Gita, it's described in the glories of the Bhagavad Gita, that if one, with faith, studies the Bhagavad Gita, and one can study the Bhagavad Gita if one becomes purified by chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, then one will understand it. And one can chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra if one gets a little guidance from those who are chanting purely. Then one can understand Bhagavad Gita. And if one can understand Bhagavad Gita and chant purely, then one's next life is spiritual and that is guaranteed. So that's the result of pure chanting. Um, so, um, but now a lot of people are against the Hare Krishna movement because, you know, when Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu introduced this chanting 500 years ago, so as we said, the Lord Krishna, he has many avatars, they descend from the spiritual world to here. That Lord Krishna personally appeared as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the golden avatar on the altar here. That's it. On this. So he's on the right side, golden avatar. And his first expansion, Balaram, appeared as Lord Nichananda. In Kali Yuga, as we said, everyone's philosophy is, because everything is one, it means ultimately I am one with God, I am God. <laughs> so everyone wants to be God. So Lord Chaitanya thought, if I appear as God, everyone will imitate me. I'll appear as a devotee of God and let them imitate that. <laughs> so Lord Chaitanya came as a devotee of God to show us how to, how to chant purely and how to understand the Bhagavad Gita and how to live the life of a devotee with no sinful activity like that. And how to always remember the Lord, even though we're going about our ordinary business in this world. So he showed us by his personal. So when he introduced his chanting of Hare Krishna, the priests, they thought, well, we're doing good business. We're making a lot of money, just like you know when Jesus went to uh, the big temple in uh, you know uh, where is it? Israel or something, and uh, to get into the temple. You had to, you know, pay some big money. It was that basically uh, you had to, um, you know, pay some big money, and they offered, sacrificed a bird or something like that, and they exchanged money. But the, there was this whole business. You you couldn't get in the temple unless you had a certain amount of money. You know, basically is what it come down to. And when Jesus went there, he just turned over the table of all the money makers. Get out of this, you know, you rascals, corrupting religion for your own, you know, purposes like that. But this goes on, you know, not just in Christianity, all over the world, you know, there's uh, people hijack religion 
for money. Because if, you know, religion unites millions and millions of people. And therefore, if you say, yes, I'm of that religion, uh, then millions and millions of people will, you know, go towards that political, you know, power broker and then they can, uh, you know, extract so much money from millions and millions of people. That is going on all over the world. And then, they, you know, they, they can fund their wars, they can fund, you know, so many different things. So in the name of religion, uh, so many things are done in the name of religion, but how is it if in the name of religion things are being done and the result of these so-called holy wars is that the entire populations of the countries suffer for decades and decades? How is that a, a religious benefit? <laughs> you would think if... You know, in um, Vishnupur... Uh, going back, you know, 400 years or so, in India, there was one province and the king was a Vaishnava. He became a Vaishnava because he met a Vaishnava, a devotee of the Lord, and he was so enchanted by his pureness and his character and his uh, transcendental knowledge and everything, that he also became his disciple and his wife became his disciple and his whole family became a disciple and he made a declaration in this kingdom, everyone must chant the holy names, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, regularly, every day, and if you don't, there'll be problems. See? And so if people were found out, oh, they're not chanting, okay, you might have to spend a night up in the lockup, and uh, you know we'll give you some beads, and your punishment will be instead of the usual, you know, five rounds of chanting, which may take you half an hour. Tonight you'll have to chant thirty-two, or <laughs> something like. That. So, but uh, that should be the case. That would be a blessing for the world. But what we have is when Lord Chaitanya introduced the chanting, the priest thinking. Oh, this is our business. They come to us for ceremonies by which we give them atonement and processes by which they can become, you know, purified of their sinful reaction. And now we will get no money because they're saying you can just chant Hare Krishna without paying your cent to anyone and all your sinful reactions, you know, if you chant nicely and offenselessly, go away. So they went to the, uh, at that time in India, uh, the, the, the Muslims were ruling. So the Hindus, you know, these are the priests for the Hindu uh, tradition, they went there and complained to the Chan Kazi. They're spoiling the whole Hindu religion. Everything will be ruined. And I think, you know, the same sort of thing happened with Jesus. You know, it, sort of, it was a ruination. It was the Jewish people themselves who complained against Jesus you know well, if he comes preaching this love of God and, you know, it's going to really upset the uh, you know our powerful position and, and so many things like that if the masses can just you know find God within their heart we've got a problem <laughs> so um, so therefore the police would come to the you know they ordain no there'll be no chanting 
anyone caught chanting Hare Krishna, they'll be beaten, they'll be thrown in jail, we'll smash their drums like this. So then, of course, uh, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he organized a, the first protest. <laughs> so it's not as if we're against protesting, but it was a peaceful protest, and it was for the purpose, we must be able to chant Hare Krishna. And so, so we're, you know, we're for protesting, but not for silly reasons, not for something stupid. And uh, so, therefore, Lord Chaitanya and the Chankazi, they had a peaceful conversation, the whole thing resolved, and then the Chankazi, he made a, a mandate that no one, not in my kingdom, nor in my future generation, shall ever hamper this chanting of the Hare Krishna month, this Hare Krishna movement like that. And he was a Muslim ruler like that. So they come to that understanding. But, you know, to this day, it goes on. That's why there's, you know, opposition against the Hare Krishna. You know, if everyone starts chanting Hare Krishna, what will happen to the slaughterhouses? They'll all shut down. Well, that's, you know, what will happen to all the, you know, um, uh, you know, the business of intoxication. It will all shut down. What will happen to the gambling? This is the major, you know, source of uh, taxation income for many governments in the world. The alcohol, the meat, the gambling, you know, it's like the Melbourne Cup. It's a, it's a public holiday, you know. <laughs> what will happen to the economy of these materialistic leaders around the world, if everyone starts chanting Hare Krishna and stops drinking alcohol, eating meat, gambling, intoxication, uh, intoxication, and so many things. So, of course, they're not going to support it, they're against it. Therefore, you know, even here, you know, there's one uh, disciple, Prabhupada Korma, you know, who was uh, here, who was literally the. Uh, you know, when, when we look at the standard of deity worship in our temple in Melbourne, uh, we look at korma and the standard of, you know, cooking in the kitchen. We look at korma, we follow his standard. He was, you know, uh, loved by Srila Prabhupada and set our standard to such a high degree uh, that we follow it to this day. And uh, he is recognised as, uh, you know, just very, very... Uh, high standard of, uh, you know, just devotional service to, to you know, establish uh, this temple here. But he was thrown in jail also. And he protested. I will not eat. You put me in jail. You want me to stop Hare Krishna? I protest. I will not eat. And it got this um, uh, recognition, you know, in the newspapers and everything. And then, then they thought, no, we don't want these Hare Krishnas to have, be in the newspapers. <laughs> That's the worst thing, you know. But, as Prabhupada would say, even in the newspapers, then they're chanting, oh, Hare Krishnas are in jail. Oh, this Hare Krishna's not eating. So, you know, that made the problem even worse. Now everyone's chanting Hare Krishna and becoming liberated <laughs> due to this karma who's in jail like that. So, you know, by Korma's grace, so many people become liberated because of his protest in jail. So, um, 
I've been thrown in jail a few times as well, but I never got any publicity. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> At least I chanted myself. But I did get some of the inmates to chant, you know, when I was in jail. They'd come around and they asked me about Krishna, because I was dressed like a Hare Krishna. And uh, they'd come and ask me. And I'd tell them all about Krishna, and they actually loved it. They loved it, you know. I was almost sad to go, and they were sad to see me go. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, this, uh, so devotees, you know, they, um, that they're prepared to take risks. Uh, and, you know, the Hare Krishna movement may not necessarily be, um, say, sponsored as much as other different religions that support meat-eating, you know allow so much intoxication within their religion, allow sinful activity to go on. Prabhupada called some religions Sunday-Monday business. Sunday I confess, <laughs> Monday back to the same thing. Sunday, I've taken so much intoxication, I've done this and I've done that. Oh yes, you're absolved of everything like that. Monday, back to the same business. Yeah? Sunday-Monday business. And as we see, that is the same as chanting the names of the Lord to counteract, you know. I will do sinful activity. If, if I can just walk into confession and do confession, my sinful reactions are resolved. I'm on a good wicket here. But actually, they don't understand. God's policy is the same policy whether you are in any religion. If we commit sinful activities on the strength of the process of atonement, yep. It, it is in the Bible that, yeah, the meat eating. Well, that's right. So, what you're saying, see, the commandment is thou shalt not kill. Right? So, if we, you can't eat, generally, when, when we eat meat, it means we kill them first. So thou shalt not kill. Mm. Well, if you look around this room, the children, the adults, no one looks, you know, like they're... <laughs> no one looks ill because of, you know, a lifetime of uh, not eating meat. No, there's, there's so much protein. In, in vegetable foods. See, when us as Westerners think of protein, you know, what, what, you know, we think, oh, you won't get it from a vegetarian diet because when we think of a vegetarian diet, we think, okay, you, you have your big slab of meat and then you get a little, little sprinkling of peas and carrots, a little dollop of spuds and you think, how can I live off that vegetarian part of the meal? You know, if I take the meat off the plate, I've got a few peas, a few carrots, dollop a potato, I can't live off that, you know. But actually vegetarian diet is nothing like that. that you know, that's why people come to the Hare Krishna. No, I don't eat spicy foods. Yeah. I don't eat spicy foods, yeah. But, um, and my wife's a naturopath, so, you know, I'm, I'm not allowed to have too much salt. I'm not allowed to have too much sugar. <laughs> but I do sneak some every now and then. What's that? Yeah, too much spices, yeah, yeah. 
So vegetarianism, um, you know, one should take... Uh, it mentions in the Bhagavad Gita that when we eat vegetarian foods, they should not be too spicy. It mentions that because, uh, especially chilli and things like that, it actually, Prabhupada mentions in the Gita that it disturbs the lining of the belly and gradually that leads to digestive problems which then cause Ill illnesses. So sometimes we do see that people from an Indian background in their family somehow or another because as we said Hindu culture is a bit say topsy-turvy these days so sometimes they have way too much chilli but that's not their actual culture their actual culture the, the food is not too spicy but it's flavoursome that's their culture that's there in the Bhagavad Gita it's been there for thousands of years but they but people change you know everything and in in a wrong way, that because they're prone to, you know, foolishness and you know, intoxication and and so many different things. So, um, you know, for instance, most Hindus eat meat. What to speak is too much spices. They eat meat, and they never ever did that. And most Hindus drink alcohol, and they never ever did that as well. What to speak is spices. You see how things have changed. So you can't take, um, yeah, you can't take what is vegetarian food from uh, Hindu culture. You actually have to take it from the Hare Krishnas who strictly follow the scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita, like that. And um, so I went to someone's house who cooked some foods, and they put. I said, I don't eat much chili at all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so some of these things, as you're saying, come later as well, and so they've been added, haven't they? And um, so he reduced the spice, and it was so hot, I could not take a, a teaspoon, even a teaspoon of that food, and his own guests and relatives could not eat it, but he liked it. So he said, "Oh, can I get you a mango?" I said, okay. And in joking, I said, put some chilli on that? He said, of course. I said, you're joking? He said, no, that's how we eat it. I said, I'll take my mango without chilli, thanks. <laughs> you see? So <laughs> but sometimes, uh, yeah, that, so um, if people are putting too much food in, so if you get one of Korma's cookbooks, which we have in the shop here, you'll find there's not too much chili in any, not even, and he has many cookbooks, and there's not too much chili in any of his preparations ever, like that, you know, things like that, and there's not overspice. That's proper. So the traditional, um, I go to a lot of people's homes, I do ceremonies, and the grandmothers cook the traditional foods. And they are so, one, you know, we offer it to Krishna, of course, yeah. They are just absolutely, you cannot purchase that sort of food anywhere. It's so delicious. And, you know, for me being a Westerner, it also suits my metabolism.
metabolism like that. So the traditional foods are, are good. Yeah. But um, but all of that is in the Gita, you know, both practical and spiritual. And if we chant Hare Krishna by the grace of the holy name, we can understand the Bhagavad Gita. And if we can understand the Bhagavad Gita, the teaching of the Bhagavad Gita is do all your activities in this world while trying to think of God. And at the end of life, you'll think of God and go to the spiritual world. Like that. And uh, the easiest way to do our activities and think of the Lord is to chant uh, while we do that. So if, you know, we can chant Hare Krishna, we can sing different tunes, like that. So any other questions or comments? Good. Do you have any? Yeah. Can they get there? Did someone tell you that? Did oh, okay. Yep. Um, yeah. No, that's that's uh, not a thing. <laughs> not a thing. No. Because um, it mentions in all the religious uh, books uh, that if someone is able to chant the Hare Krishna or the names of God with love, that person is very elevated. There, there's no sin in that person. There's no reaction. Oh, how is it a sin to eat me? Yeah, how is it a sin? Because we have to kill the poor animal. Yeah. Yeah. So, for instance, you know, in some countries, uh, people are cannibals. And they I understand kill, that, they, but you could say we're animals. cannibals anyway because we can't. Uh, like petrol goes into the uh, into the sky, and petrol's made out of fossils, mm -hmm. and it comes back down, and we could be eating people anyway because it goes in our water mm -hmm. system. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot so to think about. So it's a big soup going around and around, isn't it? You've got some good questions. We've sort of run out of time. Okay. I hope you come back for another class. Yeah. And I'd love to answer some of your questions. Okay. But in the meantime, if you, you know, uh, try some of the nice Hare Krishna Prashada and, and look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. Actually, um, do you know scientifically that many of our best athletes in the world are vegetarian? And what they've proven scientifically is this.
that those who get their strength from a strong meat-based diet, their strength can be shorter bursts of great strength, but their endurance runs out very quickly. And the vegetarian diet, because it actually the proteins are so complete, because when you mix different, when you mix milk and vegetables and grains, it produces whole proteins of a very substantial nature. And the vegetarian athletes, their strength, you can't stop them. They just keep going and going like the ever ready bunny. You know, they just keep going and going. Yeah, like that. See? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the science of it. Okay? Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Sorry.